Hi chini ya Maji family. On this episode we hosted Mutedi Ambabu, co-founder and CEO of Market for 360, a company that helps consumer brands digitize field sales and increase their channels of distribution. Call it the Salesforce for Africa. In this episode, Mbabu who began entrepreneurship at an early age highlights his background, customer relations as well as his startup journey and lessons learned therein. Enjoy the podcast. Hello everybody, Kitty Magic family. This is your host Mark Karake. Super excited to bring you yet another episode of the podcast and this week uh, we have another local founder, Mr. Tesh Mbabu. How are you doing, Tesh? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, so Tesh is the CEO and co-founder at uh, Market Force 360, which is a company that helps consumer brands digitize field sales and increase their channels of distribution, right? Yeah. Is, is that is it, they say that right? Yeah, that's right. Fantastic. Very this right. is a uh, Market Force 360 sounds like a brand name I have heard before uh from my time in the Bay Area right, in Silicon Valley. Like, Salesforce. Salesforce. Yeah. <laughs> This is a Salesforce thing, right? Yeah. So are you guys a Salesforce reseller? What's what's the play here? No, actually our software is proprietary. Um like okay. I uh, think about it like uh we're building the Salesforce for Africa. Oh, wow. Um, so awesome. yeah, the idea is to digitize field sales agents because we realized that majority of trade in Africa is informal. So mm-hmm. uh, FMCG brands that's fast moving consumer brands rely on networks of millions of people out there in the field who go and talk to corner shops, the dukas to collect orders. So they right. use our mobile application to do that. Um so we are digitizing the retail uh, distribution economy essentially. So essentially help me kind of just understand that. So I'm a retailer and I need inventory, then I send somebody to the wholesaler and then they go make the purchase or what what help me understand that again. Okay, yeah. so basically what happens is now um a retailer would need to like probably close their doka and go out to look for a wholesaler. Uh so okay. a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. But what we're mm-hmm. doing is two things. One is we enable uh an agent to visit this duka so we mm-hmm. have, we we create employment for thousands of um agents out there who will visit the duka and use our mobile app to collect an order on behalf of this retail shop nice. and then uh we have partnered with distributors who get the receive the order and are able to deliver to the retail shop uh in future we will allow the retailers to directly order through an app so those are the main channels with using at the moment that sounds that's that's I love it um you know solving local problems right that's that's amazing so where yeah. where did this idea come from tesh this is i love it i mean before you go with that i always so salesforce was my um what what you would call it it was the the iconic company that for me yeah. proved to me that um basically demonstrated to me that the power and speed at which a digital innovation can take over a market so i remember when salesforce entered the market i was i was a young person coming up in my career in the bay area i remember the first time i came across salesforce was 2004 i was a sales guy at a, at a, at a startup 
And it was this, you know, web, website where you logged in and you did your, your customer relationship management stuff, right? Yeah. And everybody at the time was like, all the talking heads, the experts were saying, you know, IT managers and CIOs were like, yeah, who's going to put their data in the cloud? This is never going to work. Everybody wants to have on-prem, secure, wrap your hands around it type yeah. of stuff. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm not a young dude. I'm just listening to people talking. I'm like, wow, this place is fascinating, right? Yeah. And fast forward to 2018 when I was making my move back, right, mm-hmm. to Kenya. Yeah. Salesforce had built the tallest building in one of the most expensive real estate markets in the world. From people doubting that stuff in 2004 to 2018, multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. I remember, so I lived in San Francisco. I saw all that thing happen, bro. And to me, it was proof that, Jesus Christ, you can't unsee that. Once you see it, you can't unsee that. So connect back to Africa. My question was always, who's going to build the Salesforce for Africa? And I guess I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> interesting question. Yeah, interesting question. Because um, how we're thinking about it is uh, enabling retailers from the comfort of their dukkah use their mobile phone to reorder for inventory for their shop. And to be honest, a lot of guys are thinking this is like an uphill battle. How are you going to get the million? There there are over 15 million retail outlets in Africa. So it's a massive opportunity. These guys are largely undigitized. They use pen and paper. As I mentioned, they go out to look for stock. And this leads to them not having like a credit score. So they can't even access working capital loans. They're not able to grow. but you can see, for example, with how M-Pesa has distributed financial services using, using agents all over the place, uh, we think we have the potential to digitize how retail distribution is done because it's largely inefficient. And we, we have a similar vision uh, like what Salesforce had in 2004. And over the next five to 10 years, we'd really like to make a big footprint in this market. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they. I, th- I believe Salesforce launched in '97, but 2004 they were still very, very uh, young. No, they were just basically another fly on the wall trying to make a noise in the CRM space, which was already kind of dominated by a bunch of big players. Just interesting, fascinating. Yeah. Um. So why Market Force 360? Why did you choose that already owned brand name by a big <laughs> gorilla? Why did you pick that name? Or how did that come about? Yeah, so interesting story. Uh, our name was picked up by a client. <laughs> That's because, um, in t- yeah, so I graduated in 2015, um, mm-hmm. studying computer science at the University of Nairobi. That's where I met my co-founder. And uh, when we went out in 2016, we were thinking, we, we, we knew we wanted to make an impact in tech and commerce, uh, that mm-hmm. intersection. Because mm-hmm. from observation, a lot of businesses were undigitized. And um, so we decided what to do is set up a software consulting business, allow SMEs mm-hmm. to come to us. Anyone who's thinking, oh, I want to build an app for this, an app for that, just come to talk, come talk to us. We know how to build apps. We'll help you build an app and take it to market. So we didn't know what specific industry or niche we wanted to conquer, but that was our idea then. And... Um, in 20, a few years down the line in 2018, uh, we got approached by a really huge um, microfinance company. So these guys have thousands of filters agents in Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, and they sell mm-hmm. microloans. So they mm-hmm. have foot soldiers who go out 
talk to to consumers like they sell loans everywhere logbook loans civil servant loans so they go to police stations they go to car washes and these guys would yeah. go and and talk to guys and record their prospects uh, on paper <laughs> and then they'd go back wow. to the office and pu- and put the data on excel <laughs> so <laughs> so this this was so sweet for us because we this was kind of the issues that we really wanted to solve so this yeah. company knew that this was such a huge headache because they talked to that agents would talk to maybe a thousand customers a day but the mm-hmm. only data they see on their system is the 50 customers mm-hmm. who were either almost converting or converted right so they were looking out on so much information and they knew they needed to do it in a better way so we won a bid as a software consulting mm-hmm. To develop an app for them, mm. and this was an introduction into Salesforce automation. So mm. that's why I had heard of Salesforce and see, but I never thought I'd want to build anything like that. But this was a real world, real African problem that came to us, and uh, we built something for them. Uh, then after building it, they, they paid us good money to build it, um, and then after building it, they're like, "Who's gonna maintain this for us?" Uh, we want to have in-house team doing this. Um, we see that this is working super efficiently, so we want to continue adding features and making right, right, it right. like our sales intelligence tool. So, um, well, like if we let you own the IP, would you um, actually? That. No, actually, they said if we paid you annually, would you want to maintain the solution? And then we came back to them and tell them, yes, but you need us to we, we let us own the IP. Because at this point, as entrepreneurs, we thought, oh, this is interesting. It seems we can sell yeah. this to other people. So we told right. them, okay, let us own the IP. We'll largely subsidize the maintenance costs because they'd, they'd paid for developing the solution. So we started Market Force. Um, and these guys started calling the project Market Force internally. Wow. So right. we thought, okay, cool. Uh, can we also use your, the name that you're using? Like it was a project name. So we started calling it Market Force. And uh, wow. we went on to sell to other companies. These guys had um, other sister companies also selling insurance, um, others in Uganda, others in TZ. So we started out with, with a ready set of, of customers. Customer base. Customer base, yes. Yeah. So that's that's his story. That's a fantastic story, bro, man, because, you know, it explains so many things, like basically the challenge of going from zero to one as a local entrepreneur. It's a huge chasm. It's a big hole that most most will never cross. It's very difficult. Um, We'll we'll dig into that a little bit. So, you know, you talked about University of Nairobi. Maybe tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, education and, you know, your path into to UON. What was that like? Where did you grow up? What's, What's that story? Yeah, cool. So I was born in Nairobi. Um, I spent majority of my childhood up until I was 18. Uh, I lived in Ngong. That's where my parents okay. lived. So, you know, Ngong is a few kilometers out of Nairobi. Um, I went to school in a, in, a, in, a, in a school called Calvary Baptist Academy in Ngong, all the way from mm-hmm. nursery to class eight. I went to one wow. school. Then I went to high school in a small, another small school called Mutungoni Academy in Ati River, from one to from four. Mm-hmm. And um, so how I I got into tech is very interesting. I went home for midterm. I was in form two, 
This is in 2008. And I had an elder cousin who just cleared um, high school and she was like, dude, have you heard of this thing called Facebook? Uh, you need to open an account. So she helped me set up a Gmail account, uh, set up a Facebook account, and this was super cool. And mm-hmm. when I went back to school, I I just knew I wanted to be in tech. Like I want to build such solutions. Right. And I found it super fascinating. Like, right. Right. yeah, so... Um, from then, I knew I wanted to pursue computer science or software engineering, and um, that's what I applied for, and I was able to get into computer science. Before that, I was like really into creatives, and um, I just knew I, I like I wanted to be either an architect or yeah, I traditional yeah, I really wanted to be an architect because I, I can really draw, uh, and I. I like technology. I like to use tools. So I thought architecture is interesting. Yeah. yeah. But just seeing Facebook and Gmail made me sure that I yeah. want to be a tech entrepreneur. <laughs> That's amazing, um, man. You know, so, I mean, if, you know, the way people pick careers or the way, you know, people end up in certain career paths, it's so random and so unstructured. Un- it, it's such yeah. a big deal. That why should it be so random? <laughs> exactly, because you spend the rest of like 20, 30, 40 years in, in the same career, most times. Yeah. 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 Impact in your life. yeah. You know, on that, actually, one of the projects we're working on at Impact Africa. So I don't know, Impact Africa, basically, we are a startup studio, but we are really, what we really call ourselves a movement that's bridging the zero to one gap for young talent and the opportunity to actually lean into the future to build things that are, you know what I'm saying? That can scale, that can transform um, reality, if you will. So one of the questions we're asking ourselves, we ask ourselves these big questions, you know, how can you, how can you improve the opportunity, career identification, um, I guess, algorithm that's out there right now, right? You know, how can you, somebody who's between the age of 10 and 18, they don't know what they want to be. They're just kind of like in this world where everything is just like, you know, you don't know anything, right? And you're being forced to make a career, lifelong career decision. So we're working on this concept where we're like, how can we expose people to um, two things? One is, is, is give them exposure to different domains where they can express themselves, learn new skills, just, just know things outside the traditional curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're thinking about things like um, life skills, um, communication skills, like... This is this augmented learning, exposure, career, touching kind of thing. Yeah. So it, it's it's just interesting that you bring that up. And I, I just thought I would kind of you know talk about that because I think yeah. it's a big problem we need to solve, right? Yeah, um, totally agree with you. Yeah. So we will see where that goes. Mm-hmm. But in any case, so you ended up at UON, um, computer science. What was that like? Uh, is it what you expected? Were you coding? Were you like a now a, a hobbyist? How how what was your journey like as a te- as a techie? Yeah, so interesting. I I I I wouldn't refer to myself as a techie. So let me tell you why. So when I cleared mm-hmm. I cleared um, high school in twenty ten. In twenty eleven, I started doing graphic and web design. So sort of again the intersection between creative and tech, and I started a business. So I started a business called Tesh Tech. Uh, it was a creative mm-hmm. design and printing agency. Um, I ended up opening a shop in the CBD, like a print shop. 
And wow. guys would walk in and would print business cards, we'd do marketing collateral, we do a lot of stuff. So I, right. I started making um I, I started making some money pretty early. Um mm. so I got to a point in my campus and I was wondering, do I really need this degree? Because money was hard. I <laughs> running a business and going to school is not easy, bro. <laughs> it wasn't easy. So, and I felt, and it is, this is interesting, an interesting story because I've had uh, similar stories uh, and we like to compare ourselves to the Zuckerbergs and the, the Bill Gates kind of guys who went to Harvard, but we need to remember these guys were in Harvard. Right. So uh, guys are here and you're thinking, oh, I'm making, I'm now making 100K a month and um, why, why do I need this degree? I can just, I can just bounce and I can do a lot. So I was almost right. dropping out because I, thought that I did need a degree. I thank God my dad was able to convince me to to keep going strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ran this business for a couple of years, for three or four years. Towards the end of my campus, um, I made the, the, the decision to sell the business so that I could focus on building the software company because now I had gathered enough uh, knowledge in the domain to be able mm-hmm. to to go out and tell people I can build software for you. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, that was my campus journey, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, so you are, you are always an entrepreneur through and through from the beginning. Like you are... Yeah. I was all about selling. Um, I, I talked to my co-founder in second year. I think yeah. when, that was in 2013, thereabout. Mm-hmm. And I, had got, I was getting so many gigs, like web design gigs, uh, I remember mm-hmm. we got a small project by Amref to build them a human resource induction system, and I I, I couldn't call it solve my life. <laughs> so I just looked for the smartest guy in the room and told him, "Look, dude, I have a really interesting project over here. These guys are paying. Uh, do you want to work on this with me?" So, <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, he was down for it, and uh, that's how we we decided to to set up a company together. That's how did that opportunity? Come, yeah, how did that opportunity come about the Amref thing? Where do you how do how do they find a, a campus student and ask them to build an induction system? Like what? How? Dude, so we uh, so as a salesman, I built a okay. website. I started applying for tenders. At that point. Oh, okay. And you do you, you apply for tenders and you figure it out when you get it, basically, how you do it. Yeah, so in the team section, I'd go to a guy like this and tell him, do you mind if I add you to like my team? We prepare CV. And in terms of like wow. the projects you guys have done, references to works, we'd put in like our second year projects. <laughs> <laughs> but not say that the school project. So you just put them like... Like project, like I remember we built a procurement automation system and we put in it in there like a like a project we built. And I'm sure by, by the time we went to pitch, these guys were thinking, these dudes, these young guys uh, really know how to build stuff. They're, they're geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, it's a, a story, right? Like, crazy. like that's Bill Gates' story. I don't know if you've seen that uh, uh, Pirates of Silicon Valley movie. It's 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 one of those. I think you can find it even on YouTube. Have you ever seen that movie? I think I have. I think I yeah. have. Because that's how they were moving. They were basically, you know, applying for, for gigs, <laughs> contracting gigs, consulting gigs. Actually, he said he had an operating system and he didn't have one. Yeah. 
Yeah, DOST. He said he had an operating system and he didn't have one. He, he, he told IBM, yeah, I got this thing. And then he was yeah. driving home. He's like, what are we going to do? <laughs> that, that's the spirit of entrepreneurship. Yeah, you figure it out on your way down, man. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, so cool. So now, um, I love, you know, I have talked to, you know, that move of how you start a software consulting shop. Yeah. And then you build a few things, you get a revenue stream from the consulting. Yeah. And then on the side, you start to kind of build something, and a product, yeah. is the local move. That's how you go from zero to one here. Yeah, I've seen quite a few people do that, right? Yeah. Um, you know, on our, one of our podcast guests was uh, this gentleman called um, uh, Paul Kimani of Workbay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good friend of mine. Yeah, same story, right? Yeah. Um, are you yeah. guys at UN together, Ama? No, I actually met him just in the ecosystem. We we use his app, and uh, and he's an alum of YC as well, just like us. So, oh, we, you guys went to YC. When did went, you go to YC? Went to YC in summer twenty twenty, just the last batch. Okay, cool. Did you travel? I mean, it was virtual. It was virtual. It was fully virtual. Really mm. good experience. Yeah, but anyway, so that's that's a local move, and the reason we have to do that here is because there's. No pre-seed capital, <laughs> yeah. and um, there's no angel investment. There's no family and friends round. So Nothing, you, know, yeah. you have to figure out how do I start building a product that's scalable and support right. myself while I did. Um, right. Yeah, so that's I've seen a lot of such stories, and uh, I think uh, all the entrepreneurs I've seen make it have have gone through that way, at least in tech. Yeah, that yeah. makes total sense. You gotta, you gotta work. Yeah, you gotta figure out your environment. Well, and that's for us. That's why we set up Impact Africa as a nonprofit because I knew we had to figure that part out. So we have our own strategy in terms of how we get people working on product. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So fantastic. So, yeah. all right. So now you 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 got to the point where you came across this microfinance. And how did how did they how did they come knocking on your door again? Was it your your your, your website again? Was it our tender you applied for? How did you how did you come across that microfinance with the opportunity? Um, so it was a network. I knew somebody um, who was working there, and he called me and he's like, "Dude, you run a software consulting. Us guys are looking for a solution to do X Y Z. Do you guys want to bid for it? Right. And um, I'll send you the terms of reference." Look at it and mm-hmm. see if something you can bid for. So we had this zero. We didn't have a solution. And but um, what made us win this job is that we mm-hmm. built a solution in less than a week. So while others okay. were putting in bids like we can build this, uh, us guys were were telling them, look, we've already built a prototype. Wow. So we built a very simple version of the same thing, and that's what we presented at, at uh, when we were called to pitch. Right. And guys were like, yes, yes, we just need to continue building on this. And that's that's how we right. want that job. So, how did you get the requirements? Was was the did they spell out the requirements really well on their on their I guess whatever it is they put out there, call for RFP or RFQ, whatever call for bids? Yeah, so they 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 didn't like really do it um, like elegantly. It was a very it was a one pager that was saying we have X number of agents in the field. We'd like to digitize how we collect the data. It is it was a very brief uh, description, and that's what we used to to bid to put to build something. Because yeah, a, mm-hmm. yeah a lot of the other software companies that bid for the job, 
they're actually very big companies, mm. but they didn't mm. have a solution. And then mm. the few that had a solution, I think there was even one from Salesforce, mm. um, a reseller of Salesforce, but mm. it was either very expensive and it wasn't customized to fit their needs. Right. right. So yeah, you, that's, mm. that's how we got it. Thank you for taking your time to listen to our podcast. We love our listeners and have recently launched our website, chiniamaji.com, where you can sign up and have access to part two of this insightful episode. In this second half, Mutavia dives more into the growth of Marketforce 360 as well as its products. Thank you for the support and enjoy the rest of the podcast on our website.